0: Welcome to the Heroes of Reality podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest.
1: What up, young adventurers? We are here today with Lyle Maxson. He is a pioneer of transformative entertainment, beginning his career as a creative director, impacting thousands of people, the world's largest music festival. His immersive design agency, The Courtiers, I hopefully said that right, And passion for biohacking led him to co-founding Andromeda Entertainment, a VR publisher that brings the market for games for good. Birth out of the pandemic, Genius X, a VR education platform, is Lyle's next horizon for creating a metaverse that upgrades the real avatar that is you. With a goal to better humanity's relationship with technology along the way. In addition, he is addressing the world's mental health crisis with the creation of Ethro Digital, a digital therapeutics company pursuing FDA clearances and the creation of wellness technologies marketplace at the intersection of psychedelic therapy and experiential medicine. So without any delay, I'd like to welcome Lyle.
0: Hey, hello,
1: hello. hey brother. Thanks for coming on the show.
0: Of course. Thanks for having me.
1: This is going to be a lot of fun, man. I, uh, I'm I'm really excited to talk with you. Uh, we we were talking a couple minutes before this, but um, I'd like to first start things off on like first of all, what got you into the whole uh, we'll say personal development space, the the be better, upgrading yourself space. Can you talk to me a little bit about that journey?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, it definitely goes back uh, pretty far. Yeah, I mean, it started pretty early for me, but I'm, I'm happy to just share the relevant points. So um, I, as you mentioned in the intro, I was very into uh, music festivals in the music industry when I was in college and really started to wrap my head around how to create nonprofit type events and start to really generate a massive impact using the voice of, of millions of millennials that go to these large scale EDM events. Um, quickly realized that that wasn't going to be very profitable and that there was uh, a lot of people interested in that space that hadn't been able to really do it successfully. Um, so I actually pursued sponsorship and uh, started to do um, create a sponsorship agency within a large production group called Relentless Beats. Um, so that led me to eventually, I mean, really like right off the bat, I was looking at how do you bring in companies into these big mainstream events that aren't the Coca-Colas and Red Bulls of the world? but actually transformative companies. Um, and one of those was uh, True Rest, which is a deprivation tank company, float, float pod company. Uh, and honestly, that was a, a big catalyst for me. I started um, looking at how to create activations that really inspired an audience. So they weren't just sitting there staring at a DJ um, on stage, but they were actually utilizing these wellness technologies at the event. So the sponsor would come in, they'd pay to be there and they would create an amazing experience um, for the audience. So I was kind of getting the best of both worlds and basically like self-funding my dream of of creating impact (laughs) at scale with uh, really awesome tech. Um, So that eventually led me to um, looking into VR. Um, My actually current business partner, one of them, uh, Robin Arnott uh, created this uh, SoundSelf, which is a biofeedback meditation Uh, experience that I tried, I think, in like 2015. And it just blew my mind. And I started to really see the capacity of software to make a larger impact than even uh, large scale music festivals could. And, and, you know, really comparing the two of looking at software versus, uh, you know, the music industry, and then looking at some of the really expensive hardware, like deprivation tanks, or cryotherapy chambers, um, even like some of the you know, seemingly simple, small wearables are upwards of $1,000 plus. And then all of a sudden I saw the software that's $30. You could download it and all of a sudden, you know, creates this life-changing experience. Um, So that was really the start for me. Um, And of course I've been pursuing neurohacking, biohacking as a, just an evangelist and a, you know, a huge fan um, for, for a long time and really looking at how to really rewrite the conversation around technology and, and inspire people to jump into this industry, understanding that it's a train that's moving and uh, we don't need people to run away from it and being afraid of the AI overlords, but, but to actually jump in and understand that there's new mediums coming out like VR and AR, that ha- you have the ability as a independent creator to really impact at a fundamental you know, ground floor level that I don't see the possibilities of doing um, within traditional media like TV and radio uh, or music or whatever you could think of that's been out for a hundred years. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the short reader, reader's digest.
1: Super fun, man. Uh, let's, let's break down a couple of these pieces. One, I love the fact because marketing activations is, is, is so alive in the VR space and, 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 and looking to actually, how do you turn something from just like a thing into an actual experience at marketing activations, VR and marketing activations, is the big thing, um, I actually never thought about using it, transformative wellness, and combining those together as a thing. I think that's brilliant and good for you, man. That's that's awesome. So, more people should do transformative marketing activations. I think it's great. Um, deprivation chambers. I actually, I don't know if you know, uh, where are
0: you based out of? Where are you locally based? Uh, I'm in LA. I'm in uh, okay. north of LA in Topanga Canyon.
1: Okay, that makes sense. Okay, so if you look at that, uh, uh, I was talking to Crash. Um, the guy who runs the deprivation mm-hmm. tanks over in uh, venice and he was actually because i went through it and i did the deprivation tanks and i went through it on um edibles and all that and i had a crazy experience where i lost myself for about two hours and then like i like completely lost where i was at and i freaked out because it was complete darkness and i felt like the bad guy from terminator 2 that like is, and gets dropped in the lava i'm like <gasps> And I like jumped out. I was like, "Oh my god!" I've had that experience before. I've
0: had that exact
1: experience. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, "I'm gonna die!" And I came out. I was like, "Oh, oh, okay. Here's where I'm at." But I was talking to Crash, and Crash was saying that he was trying to use the deprivation chambers as actually a form of learning, where he'd actually take the lightest um, uh, field of view for um, almost like a projector screen and put on the inside of the tank, so that you're basically, you know, the best way to learn is by removing all of the distractions and no better way than being in a deprivation chamber where you lose all distractions possible. Um, VR is an amazing mechanism and, I, and I'm sure it's probably a bit more cost-effective than his system, but it is a pretty cool thing to think. Have you ever thought about combining like the deprivation tanks and the learning systems together into one one system?
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I bring up that, that story too as an origin story because it relates so well to what I'm doing now. Uh, mm. My business partner with um, Genius X, which is the education platform that we've been building in VR. Uh, he's the founder, actually, of True Rest. So I met him through the festival world, but he's yeah, easily the largest uh, deprivation tank company. I think they have like forty plus locations open around the U.S. and like a hundred sold. They have a big franchise model, kind of like the massage envy of of you know float spas. Um, and and yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about that. Um, and, and yeah, I mean you, you hit it right there. It's like VR is much more accessible and I believe creates a similar hyper learning uh, experience. and there's a lot of science that's out now around you know improved cognition, memory, uh, confidence, you know actually being able to be able to apply the knowledge that you're learning as opposed to just passively asynchronistically you know consuming it. Um, and yeah, we have talked about putting projectors inside of the, the deprivation tank specifically for, um, not around really hyper learning, uh, mm. which I know like the Navy SEALs and things are, are actually doing, um, but, but more around, uh, using biofeedback and actually creating uh, a deeper meditative state and taking it from being sensory deprivation to like almost sensory overload, you know, uh, but doing it in a, in a very thoughtful, uh, intention based way of, of just connecting with your body and your voice.
1: Yeah, that's powerful. And you're right. It's, you're you're basically taking your your inner modalities and bringing it to the surface and making it become consciously aware and using that kind of system to be able to, to leverage that to, to get to where you want to go. And I think a lot of times we're unconscious of our internal modalities and structures. And if you can take that biofeedback and bring it to the surface and have people become aware of it, you know, awareness is the first step to the transformation that people having. So I can absolutely see where that wants to go. But Deprivation tank is so much more expensive versus you know a quest two headset that you can order on Amazon, or at least you were be you were able to order it now the whole being sued thing, and they're gonna a couple of weeks and come out with a new mask and all that stuff. So uh, what do you think? Let me ask you this. How does psychedelics play a role in this transformative experiences that you're talking about now? And and how has it personally played a role for you?
0: Yeah. So Uh, So I founded this uh, VR publishing company called Andromeda um, about three years ago now. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and we were really focused on the mainstream gaming market and really looking at how to basically Trojan horse these esoteric wellness concepts into interactive, you know, very fun, engaging experiences. Um, And we were basically creating what is now coined digital therapeutics uh, before it was even a, a term. Um, and and recently, um, about this time last year, a, a gentleman named Adam Gazzali, um has an amazing company called Akili, and they created the first FDA-approved video game. And and this game, kids could download on their cell phone, and it's uh, specifically focused on ADHD. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this this game, playing it once or twice a week, creates new neural pathways that essentially the, the goal is is to get them off of their medication, Adderall and Ritalin and things. And so, what that did was open up FDA clearance for um, this new category called digital therapeutics. And recently we created a spin-off company from Andromeda uh, called Entheo Digital that is focused on just that, pursuing FDA trials, working within psychedelic therapy specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few reasons for that. One is that the psychedelic industry is exploding. Um, and you know it's, it's not so uh, coincidental that digital therapeutics, psychedelic therapy, precision, psychiatry, all of these things are coming together um, at the same time. So mm. what what we've created with SoundSelf um, is this biofeedback experience. You're using your, vo- your voice to tone into the headset, um, and now we're actually using AVS, which is audiovisual stimulation glasses as opposed to a headset. Um, but you're toning into a microphone and that's creating, what? yeah, yeah, um, I'll touch on that. So we yeah. essentially, um, converted it from VR for uh, the deeper therapeutic impact that closing your eyes and allowing strobing lights harmonize to your voice, basically allows your brain to create the visuals instead of us doing that for you. Um, yeah. It's also much more cost effective. So it's not only more therapeutic, but um, the price point on these AVS glasses is around the price of what a Quest would be, except you could just plug it directly into your laptop where um, Sound Self in its current state for VR is just PC VR. So you know, taking it from like a three thousand dollar setup with a gaming computer to now a three hundred dollar pair of glasses that plug into your MacBook. Uh, so that that's the two big reasons. Mm. Uh, but yeah, essentially the experience is that you're toning. So you're you're prompted in the beginning with a guided meditation to start to use your voice to harmonize or vocalize. I'm not a singer at all. So what I typically do is just chant like Oming. Um, But it's any sort of humming or prolonged tone, Mm -hmm. you could scream into it. And that basically creates a feedback of your voice sounding like a choir um, and then creating haptic sensations. So the vibration of your own voice and then and then also simulating uh, visuals to that. Uh, So it drops you into a very deep meditative state. And why that's relevant for psychedelic therapy is we've been doing some pilot studies and we're actually now diving into much deeper research, but the initial pilot studies show very similar brainwave scans as a full dose of psilocybin mushrooms. So compared to a brain Uh on on mushrooms, on psychedelics versus on sound self, that's very similar. Uh, Meaning Uh like uh, your default mode network turning off uh, increase in alpha and theta, and, and particularly gamma, uh, brainwaves, which is Flow. really interesting. Uh, cause yeah, it's gamma is pretty hard to hit with uh, a lot of these digital therapeutics and what we see it as is a primer. Are
1: you uh, measuring yeah, that with biofeedback device? Like a, like a, like how are you, how are you measuring the gamma?
0: Yeah. So it was done through MRIs. Um, and I know we've been doing a few things, but we've done two pilot studies. So, mm. uh, we're, we're going into much deeper we just hired a chief science officer who uh, we believe is the first doctorate to uh, you know have his doctorate in psychedelic ther- or sorry um digital therapeutics so it's very interesting he's like specializes in that he actually we met him because he used sound self as his thesis for his doctorate um, and and yeah so essentially uh, yeah we're we're really pursuing that for for two reasons one is that Psychedelic therapy a lot of times they hit this barrier to entry where people that do have treatment-resistant psychiatric disorders They don't want to do psychedelics. They're terrified of them and for good reason Um, You know even myself doing psychedelics in the past and doing it with a therapist. It's still you know very uh, Yeah, it's it's nerve-wracking before going into it. So we see sound self as being a really great primer for people Mm -hmm that uh may may or may not have done psychedelics in the past and they could essentially create a psychedelic experience we call it a technodelic experience Mm -hmm. um, that you know has an off button they could try it for 20 minutes and turn the experience off and then the therapist is actually able to monitor how these people are responding under this Mm -hmm. altered state uh, Mm -hmm. maybe dose them according to that and then similarly uh, with the integration phase um, there's not a lot of tools uh, for integrating psychedelic treatment. A lot of it is around journaling, maybe spending time in nature but what we've what we've seen anecdotally and we're pursuing research on this as well is that if you do sound self a day after a week after even six months after your your session, um, you could actually bring back the same epiphanies and the feelings that you had during your your psychedelic oh, therapy treatment
1: okay. yeah that's one of the interesting things about the uh, about these um transformative psychedelic experiences is that you basically get a pathway to go, okay, what does your avatar look like at level 100? Okay. All, all thing is, all thing is unities, All thing is loves, All thing is connection. We are all one. We are, you get a glimpse exactly. of that. And then you go backwards in time and you get stuck. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, you want to get that back way? Here's the real path. Go climb the mountain. And so what's cool mm-hmm. about that is you're causing this glimmer effect. You allow that to, you, you, you open the door and you allow them to kind of get more, it, the integration phase, and so you're you're allowing. Them, it sounds like you're you're creating space for that integration phase that allows you to kind of move along more quickly and power level um, up to that avatar self, which is really cool.
0: Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's really cultural too. You know, like mm-hmm. the the fact that we do these these psychedelic treatments or like go off and take mushrooms with friends, and then you have to go back and and just be in the world, and you know, go back to your laptop, go back yeah. to your your everyday work to enable people to use these these types of tools that are extremely, again, fun. They're not like eat your vegetables where you have to do this thing, um, but that's actually something that you want to go back to, and it's just integrated into your lifestyle, enables you to you know create that lasting effect.
1: I don't know if you've ever had a bad trip on mushrooms or ayahuasca, but I'm going to tell you, there's some vegetables to be eaten on that journey. Yeah,
0: there's definitely- absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no, and you, and you I you do completely want, agree.
1: You do want to be careful because what I call um, – So when you take in the reason why it's like inception, right, is that you start with a stable reality, right? And then every time you incept down a level of the reality paradigm, you become more unstable. Right. And so I call I call that reality stacking. So you're inside Mm -hmm. VR while on psychedelics or some other thing. And so as you go through those different layers, everything starts to get more and more unstable. And so you've got to then be very careful with that person's. Consciousness, you are—you are now the caretaker of that. Much like a, a shaman would be in a circle, you are the person mm-hmm. that created an experience. You want to make sure, and that's why you probably have the the therapists and all those other people on standby. How do you how do you mitigate the situations where you're? It sounds like you're combining psychedelics and VR, or these other types. So, of-
0: so to be to be clear, our entire no. team, uh, including myself and co-founders, uh, we fully believe that the medicine speaks for itself. So mm-hmm. this is a treatment that you would be doing before or after your session, but not actually during it. Oh, interesting,
1: Yeah. okay, right. have you
0: ever tried Yeah, it we together? think psychedelics yeah, speak it's, for it's, themselves. Really,
1: I, I don't know. Have you, have you ever tried mushrooms in VR? That's quite the experience, so it's, it's...
0: <laughs> Yeah, I have done it, I have had some cannabis before going into it, and it was definitely a, a different experience for me, absolutely.
1: A hundred percent, yeah. So by the way, I've got a question. You've got a very pink background. What's going on back there? What, talk to me about this. I, it, it reminds me of my, my Burning Man camp, Pink Heart. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what's, yeah, going, what's, what's going on back there.
0: <laughs> you know, it's so, it's so funny you bring that up because, uh, yeah, I live in this uh, kind of compound. My girlfriend and I just got this epic three-acre farmhouse here in Topanga, and there was a music studio yeah. that was offsite of the main house, um, and there was a bunch of soundproofing on the back wall. So I literally just like tore the soundproofing off and revealed this color wall. That I actually haven't done anything with yet, but yeah, this is. Uh, I'm currently inside the biohacking dojo where uh-huh. I have like vibrating beds, infrared lights, uh, chi machines. You know the uh-huh. VR play space setup.
1: I yeah love it, love it. I had a one of my one of my favorite experiences talking about biohacking, and let's just like not necessarily VR, but one of the things I did. I got to go with my other two co founders in 2017 to the um, the jungle to Peru, Aquitos and we got to do. Uh, Several sessions of ayahuasca while having those aura rings on. And so mm-hmm. we we're doing a personal design. I got one on right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have it right now, but it's charging. And yeah. but I had I had it on. It was crazy when I was doing that, and I was what felt like connecting with God while going in and could the cosmos. I felt like I got thrown into the slipstream. And I just like was up. It's a longer conversation, but when I looked at my biofeedback ring, I did five and a half hours of REM. While on it, I don't, I don't know what it means, but like it was like everything else, you know, what it it looks like normally, it does that. Yeah, with this one, it was like up and across, and I was just like, I was like, wow, What is that about? I was like, I, I I still don't know what it is today, what that necessarily meant, but it was definitely a transformative experience. Um, that's
0: amazing. Yeah, I'm yeah. happy if I get like 45 minutes of And I'm a, I'm a. You brought up Inception too. I'm a big uh, lucid dreamer, so I could only imagine having Ooh. five hours of of the dream world would be pretty amazing.
1: Talk to me about that. I've I've never been able to do the lucid dreaming things. What what? Uh, what's been your experience like that? What what advice do you have for that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's actually what what began my spiritual journey was doing deep uh, lucid dream research, reading the books. And what's really interesting, uh, there's a lot of interesting things about it, but one that's really prominent is unlike any other skill that you learn, mm-hmm. you get better at it by simply talking about it and, and reading about it. You know, you can't do that for like golf. You can't like improve your golf swing by reading a book about it. Uh, I mean, maybe, you know, incre- like incrementally, but, uh, with lucid dreaming, the more you talk about it, the more you read about it, it starts to ingrain in your subconscious and, uh, enables you to actually wake up in your dream. Oh, so, uh. I got deep into that, like the Tibetan dream yoga, which is a a type of meditative uh, experience that you could actually do inside of your dream world. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's some amazing books. There's one called uh, Just Lucid Dreaming uh, by Robert Wagner that I highly recommend. It's basically like a step-by-step guide that's incredible. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really useful tips. The one that I always give people just to start off is, is having a dream journal um and i don't even use like a notebook i literally just use the notepad on my phone um and even if you don't remember your dreams simply by waking up and typing into your phone i don't remember my dream like i'm feeling good while i wake up like maybe you know charting your emotional feeling when you when you actually get out of bed that again programs your subconscious to say okay i'm going to remember my dreams because now i'm in the the process and the habit mm-hmm. of writing them down in the morning and you know mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of steps to it but um and it's definitely not consistent. I'm I'm happy if I get a few lucid dreams a month, um, but you know, it's basically like our original VR. <laughs> that,
1: I, I call imagination the OG VR. Cause it really yeah, is. There the, you go. Cause you can, we can do it. And we can do it to a certain amount of fidelity. The only issue is that it's very, it's siloed. And the only issue is that the the data bandwidth, the between me and you is, is only so much. So like, um, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And a thousand words make up a video, and a thousand videos stitched all together is probably a 360 experience or whatever you want to call that, right? But the issue is, is that what's inside my mental model state when I go, you know, picture an elephant, right? You're, and then the only thing is I, there's only a certain amount of bandwidth going between me and you on that process. So I have a good model, you have a model, but then we have to reconcile those models by us colliding with, well, I, what I meant was a pink elephant, what I meant was a stand on hind legs, what I meant was this. And so the problem is we don't have those perfect words. To connect, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts around Elon Musk and Neuralink, and and going into that? Would you do it? What do you feel about that? Can you can you talk to me a bit about your your thoughts, feelings, and things around that?
0: Yeah, um, the short answer is no. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm very much uh, not a transhumanist. Um, I have gone to a few conferences that have literally been like centered around cyborgs and like, mm-hmm. you know, what that looks like. Um, I think the woman that hosted the last conference I went to was she was born without an arm. And so she has this like, amazing prosthetic robotic arm that she could control based off of just like flexing her, you know, her shoulder, her neurons in mm-hmm. her shoulder. Um, and she was like on a super bowl commercial shooting archery with her bionic arm so it was like a really cool concept i was like okay obviously the medical applications are amazing but then you get into like the whole conference they were just eating like you know they were drinking coke and like eating bags of chips were like the the snack on the on the table and it's like okay clearly like people are just trying to shortcut you know their health their longevity their consciousness in a lot of ways and i feel like that's what Neuralink really is i I mean, as a, a futurist, I, I'm always thinking about these things and I, I do see this polarity happening in the next mm-hmm. 10 to 20 years where people are either going to be using technology in a way to improve their their current state, meaning something like SoundSelf, you're using vocal toning, you could take the VR headset off and then you still have that tool. You're acquiring a tool that you could use in your real life. You could go out and sit in nature and use vocal toning that, you know, tribes and, Buddhists and you know people have been doing for millennia uh, as a way to drop into a parasympathetic state, um, or you could you know plug this this chip into the back of your brain that induces theta brainwave states at a push of a button. Um, I I am a very strong uh, believer and you know naturalist. I think it's going to be two ways. It's going to be the cyborgs versus the naturalists, and both people are going to be using technology. Um, it's just a matter of how you use it. Are you using it as a way to um, you know? like create a more positive experience or basically like you know erase that and and uh shortcut your way to whatever state that you want to be in
1: okay so one 100 percent agree with you uh two agree i'm also going to call bs on a couple things you're saying uh you're you're a naturalist with uh those ear pods in your ear and a biofeedback ring on and and so um mm, yeah kind of right and 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 i will agree but uh, Technology is nothing more than the magnification of human intent, right? So if you're if you're a jerk, or if you're lazy, or if you're whatever the things might be, the 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 technology only makes you more of that thing, right? It just mm-hmm. gives you a Absolutely. bigger voice. It gives you a bigger thing. So it depends on what you use the technology for. If you are inherently a lazy human who wants to eat bags of Doritos and things like that and everything else, and that's not everybody. Here's the thing: I one of the things that I believe is that the truest truths are usually a paradox being held at the same time. It's holding the exact opposites at the same time. Are we uh, an individual autonomous self that can make our own decisions or are we collected to unity and, and, and all things at this, at that, are we, are we completely selfish individuals or are we collaborative individuals? We we are both, we are always, we're always both, right? So it depends on if you take this technology and you, and you, and you say, okay, this is, we're going to show you a better path, right? Like, uh, who was it? Um, Huxley or somebody. He's like, you don't try to change behaviors. You give them a new tool and through a new tool, new behaviors happen. Right. And mm-hmm. so, and so it just depends on how do you design that to allow people to be able to do that. So one thing that you're talking about is using technology to reconnect humanity, both with themselves and the world and each other at large. Right. right. So- Yeah, if-
0: yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm really glad you called me out on it too, because yeah. when I think naturalist, I think, you know, in 20 years, um, mm-hmm. are you using technology to enhance the real world or are you using it to replace it? You know, yeah. and I think that's that's the big differentiator for me. And then looking at something, you know, like everyone being afraid of AI, um, and I agree with you too, like the technology is just what we program it to be. It's It's inherently neutral. But at the same time, it's like you look at AI and just the productivity machine and spinning that capitalism wheel and making us more efficient and, you know, live longer and whatever it is. Um, And then there's the opposite. And what you also touched on, which is how do we create immersive connection technologies that actually bring us closer to ourselves as opposed to pulling us away from ourselves and eventually being, you know, floating brain in a vat. Uh, being plugged into a simulation.
1: <laughs> as long as you got hooked up to that pleasure dopamine button that you can just hit, you know,
0: it's it, it <laughs> not for me, man. I think, honestly, I think the biggest thing is it would just trap you in this dimension. Like I'm a firm believer that there's life after death. And if you're going to trap yourself in a 3D or even less, you know, a, a computer version of yourself, then you actually won't be able to move on. Well, uh, and that's terrifying. That's like hell to me.
1: <laughs> well, you're right. But you're talking about that. It's we always transcend through the death of ourselves, We chant, the death of our ego, the, the death of our identity, the death of anything. that's the only thing that allows us to get to where we want to go. So if we stay in this lukewarm bath of comfort, whether it's just a brain or entire body, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it, you, you're not you can't transcend. You need the death to get rebirth. Mm-hmm. But if you let me put it this way. Elon Musk comes it out and, you know, you're not the first monkey in the space. Let's just say there's 10,000 ahead of you. All of a sudden there's new a new type of thing where they, they plug it into your brain and you can click a button and now you've got 20 new languages in your head. And now you can travel the world and you can, be, you, can, you can now feel like you're a part of everyone's culture because you can speak the language, right? Would you do it then? Like at what point do you do it before you're like, you know what, everybody here speaks a thousand languages. Like I watched my grandma who doesn't know how to use her iPhone. Or have an iPhone, or has ever been on the internet, and it, and it always reminds me of the person outside the party who's like all cold and looking inside through the window, and they're like, oh, they're looking like they're having a great time, right? Like that's what I see. <laughs> At some point, you're, you're gonna stand still, and the party's gonna keep on rolling. You either get on TikTok, or you don't, but you're, the party's gonna keep rolling. So, like, my my question for you is like, is there a point in time do you feel like you could see yourself getting an implant in the brain for something like that, or is it, or is this like? Inside the brain, it's okay inside the ear, but it's not okay inside the brain. I'm i I'm just wanna I'm just pushing your limits. I want to see at what point.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Inside the ear, you could actually you know take it off and and uh, be be just human again. Um. Yeah, and you know it's interesting. I was at CES last year. It was like one of the last conferences before the COVID shutdowns, yeah. and I saw a company that has just basically an AirPod that converts languages. Um, and it does it within, I think, two seconds. So you know, you input somebody speaking Spanish to you, it converts it into English within like a two-second lag time. You know, so I don't, I, I totally understand what you're saying because I'm also on the technology train of like, please, people don't be afraid because like the train is moving, the train yeah. is rolling right now, and it's only a matter of of time you have to jump on and and create a impact. You know, that's actually positive for the planet because all the zombie shooters and the porn and everything else is is only accelerating. So it's like how do we create healthy alternatives that are just as engaging and fun. Yeah. Um, so I, I I definitely understand you on that point. Um, but you know, I think there's also other things to consider um, around just like restoring the ecology of the planet and focused on you know things that a uh, chip in your brain may or may not make you more efficient at. Um, but but ultimately I uh, yeah, I think that the the singularity in that experience is going to be uh, something that that there's gonna be healthy alternatives where you don't need to have, uh, you know, Elon Skynet uh, being plugged in and being able to like deactivate your brain if you misbehave.
1: <laughs> Hackers, that's the thing that gets me to not wanna do it. Hackers, that's the only issue. I don't mind, like you can hook me up to so many different devices. I've already got like, you know, there's connected to all these different, I mean, right now we're connected through time and space. Like humanity's superpower, one of our superpowers is to use technology to connect through time and space. We first did it with language and then we did it with signs and then we did it, you know, on and on and on. It's it's just the next evolution. We are we're using technology to recreate unity. That's what it is. And it just mm-hmm. all depends on the only thing is we have both the dark and the light in us. And if you don't acknowledge Absolutely. that, you don't acknowledge that, then you have repression and reproaching. And then you can become like Cosby where he's all sunshine and beauty and there's a deep, dark demon in the background. So I think it's it's important to acknowledge them. And it's also to, important to design systems that incentivize you to do the, to do the right thing, right? If you create create poor incentive structures, that's a problem. The problem with the, um, uh, capitalism is that it's a, it it is, it is growth above all else and only, and they found a way to detach themselves from the actual true cost of something and and into a, some sort of monetary value. So this is a dollar for gas, but you don't really look at the, the, the cost it has on the fish life and everything else and the biofeed. And so the problem is, is that we only look at it in, in one, you know, one myopic view set of the impact that it has. And I think there's a way to look at that and say, okay, how do we use this technology um, to, to make a more powerful um, incentivization structure to help people become better, both with like, how do you use them to transform, to become better? And then also how do you help people, help other people to transform to become better. And I think that's something that um, we're very both in alignment with. And I'd, and I'd love to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into that. Um, but one thing I want to say about that is like, you can you can always run on two fuel sources, right? With everything, sugar, destruction, right? One kind of thing, sugar is one kind of, it's immediate, it's fast, it's going, right? Sugar is like fear, immediate, fast. It, it's useful. It gets you up and going, but it's not sustainable. You can't run mm-hmm. on fear forever. You're right. First brain, second brain, fast mind, slow mind, right? Same thing with keto. It's a healthier fuel source, right? But it's slower to get into gear. So, mm-hmm. so my question for you is knowing that that's important, like how do you how do you plan to structure uh, your, um, we'll call it transformational metaverse, how you plan to use that to actually, to to help people evolve themselves, knowing that we have both sides of this, both the chimpanzee and the bonobo inside of us?
0: <laughs> that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, well, what we're doing uh, with, with Genius X, which is the VR education platform I've build, uh, been building with uh, Joe Polish and Nick and Jenicki, who I brought up um, mm-hmm. from TrueRest, um, is really, yeah, I mean, looking at it, it's so funny. You were talking about how you like to do the, the podcast format as the hero's journey arc, because that's mm-hmm. very much what we're thinking about for uh, educational experience. But you know, again, it's like the sugar of that experience is the awe factor of being in a virtual metaverse where anything's possible. You're infinitely creative, and you know you're able to do things in the virtual world that you could never do in real life. Um, and then the the long term, uh, the keto version of that is actually being able to utilize skills. That you progress through as you unlock doors and modules and content and apply your knowledge in an actual virtual world where you know say you're learning how to do public speaking now all of a sudden boom you're up on a virtual stage talking in front of a hundred people you're actually acquiring those skills and then you're taking your headset off and applying them to the real world so you know utilizing the technology Mm -hmm. as yes this is the most fun thing that you could possibly be doing if you want to learn anything and uh, the long-term effects are going to live with you forever.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I, I always looked at it in terms of the, the transformation should be the byproduct, right? It should be the mm-hmm. frosting, frosting on the cake of the vegetables that you eat, you know, it's right. that, and that's, and that makes a lot of sense. So then you, you, you bring in with the razzle dazzle, the experience of the VR and the wonder, and oh my God, this is so great. And then along the way, that slow skill building that they go through, they evolve and then they stick around. You know because of the the identity of who they become along the way
0: yeah really- i mean and that's if you look at i mean anything that that the mainstream and the reasons that we have the mental health issues and the, and yeah. the physical health issues that we do it's like fast food reality tv pharmaceuticals you know pop this pill 20 minutes later you feel different you know and then you look at all of the the biohacking and the you know going to therapy no one wants to go to therapy i mean i've been going to therapy recently emdr therapy which is a trip um in itself but you know i don't want to go there but then i feel amazing afterwards same thing with getting in a cold plunge or doing a sauna Um, and the reason that i believe that it hasn't pervaded into the mainstream at the level that that it should be um, and people really prioritizing their mental health is because a lot of these things are eat your vegetables like do this thing you're not going to enjoy it it's gonna it's not very accessible it's going to be hard and it's probably going to be expensive and then at the end of it you'll feel better and then you look at fast food and it's the complete opposite model. So it's really thinking in that framework, like how do we design experiences and allow things to be extremely accessible and affordable and enjoyable to where people are like, of course, I'd rather be doing this than, you know, passively watching something or using it as an escapism tool. Mm.
1: And that's a, it's a hard thing because like humans, we, we love, we want to be the hero of the story, right? But we don't want to put in the effort. Like we mm-hmm. want the we want the muscles, we want the cake and eat it too. We want both of those things at the time. And so, you know, uh, uh, people that sell you things, they 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 sell, they'll sell. What will you buy? And some people they just want a candy bar, right? And so they'll they'll give you candy bars because sugar's cheap and da 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 da. So it's like, how do you create a system that inspires people to to want that struggle, to want that pain, to want that growth? It's it's really hard to be the the dungeon master and the player in the game of life. And so you've got to like whip yourself to move forward on the path when you don't want to because it's a challenge and you need to find some sort of meaning and purpose that can keep you going on that grind, which is, mm-hmm. um, or you can trick people and make the grind fun. Uh, there's like a, a, like there's like a zombie run game where you, you're, you're running, being chased by zombies. And like, as you run, they get closer to you. Um, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. It's uh, that we've done. Um, nice. thing they, they want to mention is that EDMR. So uh, EMDR, uh, that's a rapid eye movement for basically a desensitization of, of negative experiences. It's like, um, you know imagine a negative merit uh, uh, memory and then you you move your eyes back and forth and you kind of like same thing like you put a knot on the back of somebody you put your finger in there and then again it shakes that pain loose over time it desensitizes you to that experience um i've done it it's pretty effective um as a system and actually the reason why i bring up that the challenge i uh, invited you to what i put together for a transformational vr um we had a whole bunch of people come in um, and I taught them in five days, you know, okay, what is transformational reality? What is the metaverse coming? What is happening? You know, how, why is it, why is it so important to design things that aren't just fun, but also transformative? And what does that look like? And we had a whole people, a whole bunch of people. And I, <laughs> I I've ran hackathons for mm-hmm. a number of, since 2014 for a bunch of different universities and groups and organizations and, uh, and doing this thing online, I kind of dragged people through the deep end and had them ending up pitching uh to to rev kyle and tipitat um mm-hmm. at the very end and uh and going from like not knowing anything to that was kind of like the deep end but the guy that ended up winning uh lee um he actually is making a um, an uh, emdr virtual reality application um and he'll be designing that out and then um, amazing yeah once he gets ready to showcase that I'm going then um uh uh, uh reconnecting with Tippitat and Kyle and we'll all take a look at his progress from it. But it was really cool to put together this event and um, and watch something that could actually be usable because, you know, this EMDR is something that could be very doable in VR as, a, as an application. It's a simple concept. It's just the execution like, you uh-huh. know, with most, with most businesses. So um, I love that you brought that up because it literally leads right into transformational virtual reality and how you can apply it.
0: Um, Amazing. Yeah, I mean that's a, a huge uh, part of my my many hats that I wear is is really scouting these conscious developers and um, you know as a publisher with Andromeda, um, where we're always looking at new content that we could fund and bring to market. Um, we actually are are currently looking at three or four titles and and wanting to bring two of them to to market in the next year. Um, and so I'm constantly talking to these you know very alien. I call them alien developers because, unlike most computer programmers, they're extremely embodied. You know, meaning that they're that they're doing the transform transformational work. They're meditating. They understand how to move in time and space. You know, they're connected with their body, which is extremely important for VR just in general. But when they're designing these experiences, um, you know, it's amazing to see. And there's more and more of them popping up all the time. And um, yeah, I'm kind of like head hunting and, you know, I've even been thinking, dreaming up a, a, just like creating some sort of mastermind group around, around just conscious developers and, you know, just ex- exchanging ideas around biometrics and how to integrate biosensors and what they're doing with, you know, again, like Trojan horsing these esoteric concepts into their yeah. games. And um, yeah, so we, we actually recently signed a title. Um, with Funktronic Labs, which is oh, an yeah. amazing studio that put together Fuji, uh, which was a, a big uh, Quest One uh, hit that I was a big fan of. Um, so we are not starting development with them for uh, another maybe eight to ten months. But uh, the code name of the game is Hypercruiser. And it's very much focused on like a space exploration game where you're actually using your biometrics to control the environment. You know, mm-hmm. you come up across a bunch of meteors and you ohm into the headset and like break the meteors apart <laughs> using your sonic <laughs> weapon, you know? So like we're really starting to, to, I've, I've been enjoying the creative process of actually working, uh, you know, on the storyline and things too, but that's where we get super excited is like, I love designing these experiences, bringing them to market. Uh, I love the fact that we could help fund these projects and uh, you know continuing to cultivate community around it because when we talk about transformative practices in general, the most important thing is the community built around it. And that's why companies like Facebook are pushing so hard on social VR. Not only do they know that that's how their applications are going to grow uh, you know at at speed at the, at the speed they want, but it's also, as a community, it's so important to hold each other accountable and to be able to progress on our self-development journeys with people um, that are doing the same thing.
1: 100% agree. And uh, Facebook, as their typical path, is to see other technologies, reverse engineer it, and then use their big marketing gusto to out push, push those people out. That fell flat on the face when they tried to do Horizons. Like, oh, we're going to mm. copy Rec Room. We're going to make Horizons. It's going to be just like that exactly, but just nicer. And then nobody went to it and they goofed and then they slipped and they go, whoops, missed the mark on that one. You know what? Instead, we're going to become a metaverse company. And instead, we need everybody else's support because we can't steal this. And that's the biggest Mm -hmm. issue is that it's bigger than them. And so they realized that they had to back off. I appreciate them uh, for uh, the headsets and and, uh, the development dollars that they went into and being able to support that. Um, but it's definitely going to take a community and not only one community, it's going to take a bunch of different communities being able to do this. And one of the things I've seen because running VR communities in a bunch of different places is there's this lot of there's this thing that happens where it's a, it's a cycle. The cycle is this. You go into a space, right? And you kind of get an idea. You get a little bit. Of, you get, oh, I think I know what I need to do. Then you go into a hole. You disconnect from the community. You don't realize what's out there. You don't see anything in this space. And you think your idea is the best idea ever. And then you have the fear that someone's going to steal your idea. They're going to take mm. it. They're going to recopy it. And then they don't show anybody anything. And you, don't, and you disconnect from the community. And you all of a sudden, you're isolated. And then you build something that nobody wants.
0: Because mm-hmm. you, didn't,
1: you didn't talk to anybody. You never got that feedback. You didn't get the community involved in early enough. And then it sucks. And then you get disheartened and then you quit. And then you probably stop working on the thing. And then you go take something else that you don't want to do. And finding the ways to get people to show, hey, John, welcome to the party, brother. Hey, uh, sorry, John just commented. It's one of the moderators from the groups. Uh, good to see you, man. Let me know, John, if you got any questions. Um, but uh, yeah, it, people get in these silos and this fear this fear of like, someone's going to steal my idea. Someone's going to take my thing there. I had the idea for the metaverse. I was going to make the next Facebook. Can can you talk to me a little bit about um, alleviating people's fears about showing off their idea and and the importance of creating a community? Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, of course. So, you know, one of the the easy mantras is first to market is first to mindshare. You know, so I, I'm a I'm a big believer that yeah, I mean to share your ideas openly. Obviously there's some things like once we're building we're building an education platform right now that I keep pretty close to the chest, but mostly I'm sharing all of my ideas constantly. And I've been in the creative world, you know, within the music festival space for, for a decade and watching a lot of the successful guys that um, that shined through them being able to share their ideas openly, because at the end of the day, there's only, you know, very small percentage of people that can execute. And, you know, subconsciously, uh, you trying to execute on someone else's idea is probably not going to lead to a successful project. And then on top of that, you know, I would share my ideas openly for all sorts of cool activations. And and now with VR experiences, because A, I hope that somebody does it because I can't possibly produce all the ideas that come into my mind and i'm sure most people are like that um and and be like when somebody actually hears my idea i'm already 10 steps ahead of what i'm sharing with them you know i've already been processing this so much and, and working on it for so long that the glimpse that they get of where i'm at now is only a fraction of you know what it's going to be in the future so i think it's really important to just have confidence in yourself and understand that uh, most people are not out to get you. They actually want to help and and bounce ideas off of you. And you're more than likely actually going to receive not only you know positive, like constructive criticism, but you're going to receive some ideas from them as well. And it's all about this you know kind of the Da Vinci effect, which is essentially not trying to be good at at one thing but combine the two or three ideas that you really enjoy and that you're skilled at, and then that becomes a whole new industry and you become the leader in that new field that you just created. So, you know, thinking about digital therapeutics, like how do you combine biofeedback, digital therapeutics and psychedelic therapy? We might be the only company doing that in the world, Um, if not, you know, the one of the first. So it's it's interesting to just think about it in that way of not trying to be the best doctor, but all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you know, combining these different modalities. And I think really sharing ideas with creators in that space will allow you to stack those experiences uh, and make a better product. And like you said, utilize the community to to form something much more epic than you could have ever imagined.
1: Dude, 100%, man, I, told, I totally agree that. Uh, uh the first, uh, markets first to mind share. And then the the idea also the hive mind is always better than the individual self. And so hive mining that thing out there. And then knowing that people are, I I still think people are inherently lazy. Like you can give them an idea, (laughs) go go, go try to go execute it. Like, you know what it, you know what it takes to go build, especially a multiplayer virtual reality experience. If someone's just like, I've got this idea, like, you know, and that, and that's the whole reason why I put together, like I'm You know, I'm also working on a thing of like, how do I, how do I help make a piece of this transformational metaverse? How do we make these experiences? Right. And if you're not going to make the internet, there's not going to make, you're not making the internet. Right. And there's going to be some kid tomorrow that finds a way to make a billion dollars online. And we are 10, 20 years behind where the internet is. And so it's really about like, I think one of the challenges people have too is, is they don't realize that to to be an entrepreneur, virtuality entrepreneur, anybody. You are of service to the people. You are serving someone else. You need to provide value in that space. And if you only hold that, like, oh, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna create this NFT cryptocurrency uh, uh, thing, and then and then I'm gonna go into the marijuana industry. And it's gonna be it, it's it's you're just trying to find that quick buck. And if you don't really find a way to be of service to people, you, you you're never gonna grow. But like, you know, Bing still exists as a thing, and there's people using it, right? And so I just I just I just think that, yeah, trying to get people to open up their hearts is going to give them so much more, but it's so hard because they have that fear, right? Everybody wants deep connections. Nobody wants to be vulnerable, right? It's, right. it's just the challenge. So mm. what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your big holy grail hope to God for making this um, uh, upgrading the yourself metaverse?
0: Uh, well, I'm working on it, uh, you know, with... <laughs> With Soundself, we really so you know there's there's two parts. I'm very much focused on mental health, and I'm very much focused yeah. on education. I see those two uh, problems uh, that, that need solutions as essentially the foundational pillars for the rest of the chaos yeah. that's happening in the world. If we can improve those two qualities, at least in my opinion, then everything else shifts. Um, yeah. So on the mental health side, the grand vision is that we essentially create a steam platform for digital therapeutics. So you know, as a publisher with Andromeda, we were we're constantly looking at publishing content. But as a digital therapeutics company, we're actually looking at acquiring content, bringing those teams on board, and then creating an ecosystem of of different digital therapeutics for things ranging from psychedelic therapy and assisting with clinicians to things like depression, anxiety, whatever it is. Um, but essentially, creating a platform that. Uh, in you know most cases could eliminate pharmaceuticals that's that's kind of the goal right it's like okay there's obviously pharmaceuticals there's there's a yeah yeah exactly uh but you know there's some pharmaceuticals that people need and that's you know that's a fact but there's a lot that people don't and and i've been blown away by seeing the companies that that surround us and that the products that we're building and understanding their capabilities so that's on the mental health front and then on the education front, uh, I actually re-watched recently Waiting for Superman, which I think was the number one documentary back in 2010. Uh, it's incredible, and it's all about the education system being broken uh, here in the U.S. and what led to that. Um, and it was extremely inspiring for just a more long-term vision of what VR and education could do. But a big thing that they focus on in that documentary is around that the student is really only as good as the teacher in a lot of cases, and the teachers aren't being incentivized to teach at a higher level. They're not get, being paid bonuses. Um, a lot of them have tenure, so even if they fuck up really bad or they're you know awful teachers, they, they don't get fired. Um, and there's this really you know corrupt system uh, within the education uh, like K through twelve is is mm-hmm. what they really focus on. Um, so you know with VR and education. Not only do I see it being able to access the best teachers in the world, but you're able to do it at the fraction of a cost. So, you know, a headset now is $300. I imagine five years from now, it'll be a hundred bucks. Um, and right now, a laptop is 3x that, a smartphone is 3x that. So, not only could we provide education at scale um, to underprivileged youth and third world countries, but then you're also able to create a learning experience that's a hundred times more engaging. And impactful than anything that you could do on Zoom, um, and a lot of times in person as well. So uh, it's a, just a matter of, yeah, for me, it's it's those two lofty goals: getting rid of the pharmaceutical industry and getting people in touch with themselves to uh, sustain mental health, and then uh, rewriting the education system where you could, you know, ultimately change your life with a headset right from the comfort of your home. This is so fun!
1: No, oh, this is great, man. I I think it's beautiful. You're. That is amazing. Uh curing mental illness, because we, I think we all live lives, a lot of people live lives of quiet desperation, right? And they go to the grave with the song and the song inside them, right? And, and that is one of the biggest challenges it has is how do you get people right? Yeah, I'm taking you've been to Burning Man. and take it you've yeah, yeah, a few times. Yeah, I bet. Okay. But if you look at Burning Man, right, what is what what are they really good at? Right. It's it's all about having your inner child come out, right? The, there's and you basically and they're there. The whole thing is like this Burning Man's like. Do you want to come play with me? No. Okay. Do you want to come play with me? No. Okay. So you create this container that allows people to have their their inner childlike self be completely free, and 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 ultimately you got to find ways to be able to make that happen. There's a a, a story uh, Joseph Campbell, the Golden Buddha. Do you know about that story? Mm-hmm. Right. So like. The, the monks' village, the, the Mongols come and raid the monks' village. The monks run away. They cover up the statue because it's made of gold. They don't want to be taken. So they put all the clay around it. And then they come. the monks come back when the horde goes away, only to find that they completely forgot about the statue. To a monk kid hits the statue, a piece of gold falls off. They rip off all those pieces. They find out that the, 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 the Buddha's golden, the Buddha's golden, the Buddha's golden. And that's the story about us and our trauma. Our trauma, our survival patterns, our original instances, whatever you want to call it, is all about getting you to remove the armor that protected your inner child and to get you to be completely um, um, let your own inner light shine. And the challenge mm-hmm. is this. We both we, we want to have our inner child be free, be heard, and, 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 and really just shout it all out there. At the same time, we care what people think. Mm-hmm. Which creates inner civil war. And so if you look at that, if you look at what Burning Man did, Burning Man created this environment, and go, I don't care who you are. I don't you be whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, but be completely free. And that's one of the biggest challenges with with creating that the mental illness and 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 curing that is getting people to confront those inner demons and then getting them to realize that their inner child is strong enough and they don't need to protect themselves and hide themselves. But um it's going to take a lot of effort man and I I wish you the best on on that on that journey. I've I also do work with inner city kids and stuff like that using VR and other things around this exact mm. exact same stuff Amazing. using heroes format and uh and it's it's going to take I think it's going to take a whole bunch of crazy conscious developers to go push in that direction to make this happen. Um what what advice would you give? Like let's just say there's someone out there that wants to get involved in this kind of space, what would you say to them to inspire them to, to get into this space? What, what advice would you give them?
0: Yeah, I mean, just from my own path, it was really interesting to step out of the creative director, You know, working with Insomniac and all these big music production companies um, and then stepping all of a sudden into my first like, you know, E3 and my first game developer conference. And all of a sudden, like I had a huge background of video games when I was 10 to 18. And then I completely stopped, you know, I got a girlfriend and like hid my Xbox in the closet and, you know, didn't <laughs> want her to see it. And you know and then just was like fully disengaged like oh i'm gonna be cool now and go to college without it you know but like my whole childhood was based off of yeah. playing with you know like with my head down on my game boy when we go on family vacation so um obviously it brought back a lot um yeah. I, I do have a background in it without actually being an industry professional in it but the the most beautiful part about that experience of just walking into these conferences with an entirely different background is it was very apparent that other industries need to be involved that it doesn't matter if you're a programmer because there's a lot of programmers in the game industry, but there's not a lot of business people in the game industry there's not a lot of communicators in the in the game industry there's not a lot of people that um, you know there's all sorts of of positions within creating content in VR, including, you know, completely different subcategories of like, I've been really into narrative based, uh, you know, VR films lately where you get to choose your own adventure, like Wolves in the Walls or um, Baba Yaga was really Mm -hmm. awesome. I just recently played that. Um, But you know, there's just so many different positions that you don't have to be a programmer, you know, like Mm -hmm. my brain does not work that way. Um, but my brain does work in the way of creating stories. My brain works in the way of strategizing, creating partnerships, distributing content. Um so I think that that's a big piece to take is that you don't have to to go to to coding school or MIT to be involved in VR. You could take your passion. and again, you know, that's kind of the theme of the talk is this da Vinci. Uh, theory of of really like taking that skill that you have and then implementing it into this emerging technology to become the unique you, the avatar that is, uh, you know, different from from everyone else uh, coding. So yeah, I mean, that I think is huge that you don't you don't have to have that background.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's, it's not one way you don't need to try to become something else. You just want to become more of yourself and apply it to this industry, which is, mm-hmm. which is, which is awesome. What? Um, so, we know what your holy grail is, right? Um, and we talked about this mental illness, getting rid of pharmaceuticals. We won't say that too loudly because, you know, careful. No, but uh, if you if you if you look at if you look at
0: <laughs> they're coming for you, they're coming for you. Running okay? At least at least it's documented on this I, podcast. I, I, no, so you know, no. so you know if something what? happens. There wasn't why, an accident. Folks. Why is there a
1: red dot on your forehead? I don't see what's going on. It seems to be moving around. Anyways, uh no, um it's uh what, what, <laughs> on that note, on that note, what is the um what is the dragon you need to slay to make your holy grail come true? Like, what is the, what is the thing that you think it might be too big for you and you don't know if, if you'll survive the encounter? Is there, what is that thing?
0: That's a very interesting question. Mm Hmm. Hmm. You know, I immediately want to, I mean, we work with the Facebook team all the time, but I immediately like want to resort to that. Like, you know, large corporations possibly not using the technology for the, you know, the general public's best interest. Um, But yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think, you know, we've been talking about like trauma therapy and things, and I just wanna reflect it as an internal, you know, question around what does it look like to um, get out of my own way? You know, I I recently read uh, Matthew McConaughey's uh, book, which was much better than I was expecting, Green Lights. Um, And he has a whole chapter called The Art of Rolling Downhill. Um, So, you know, I think that when we're talking about things like mental health and education, it's like, we, we talk a lot about preventative medicine, um, but what we don't talk a lot about is like preventative lifestyle. So what does that look like? And, and not only like biohacking for your body, but preventative uh, soul care, you know? So you don't have these mental breaks. Uh, educating yourself on the things that are coming so that you're ready when they get there. So I think really my biggest drag to slay is just getting out of my own way and not only doing the preventative things that prepare me for the future, but also, being more in yin, you know, that's a huge thing for me. I'm such a yang person, just like fire and action and goal-oriented and more and more. And my girlfriend has really been helping me with this as well um, is just embracing the yin and giving myself time uh, to, you know, basically do what we do with like water fasting, but doing it for your mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that can look like meditation, but I also recently started doing content detoxes where um, I'll spend a week or two doing uh, absorbing no content, meaning not even productive content. So no podcasts, no books, no articles, um, no TV, obviously like all social media, all of that. Um, The only thing I'll consume is music. And then obviously like the important stuff I need to do for work. Um, But yeah, I mean, literally just like fully disengaging which allows your brain to actually digest we're just in this constant consumption mode. So the more that we could drop into this yin flow, relaxation, allowing life to, to happen for us as opposed to trying to happen to life um, and, and really just you know, allowing myself to, uh, to digest all of the information that we are constantly consuming.
1: That's awesome. And nail on the head with that one, man, the, 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 the punchline of the, uh, what's the dragon you dislay? The, the dragon is you. yeah exactly exactly you totally nailed it on that one man i love it um this has been beautiful man i really appreciate your time on here um we'll. um is there any last question any last things that you'd like to say um before you tell people how they can get a hold of you or find more of what you do
0: yeah, um, my two big asks is we are rolling out SoundSelf right now. It's called SoundSelf Pro because it's a therapeutic version. So any therapists that are interested in using digital therapeutics in their practice, uh, particularly psychedelic therapists, but um, you know we're we're open to all all areas. Um, if you're interested in using this, um, feel free to reach out, and my team would be happy to give you more information, give you you know give you a setup for the hardware and software. Um, and then on the education front, we are in the process of onboarding a bunch of e-learning coaches. So if you or some of your friends, it's one of the fastest growing industries. So I imagine a lot of people have online courses or you know, have friends that use Coursera or Kajabi. They wanna take their passive 2D content into a virtual world. Um, we're here to build that out and you know, shoot green screens and make them holograms and uh, design their, their VR metaverse uh, Hogwarts. You know, so, uh, so yeah, if you, so, so, but those are the two asks, therapists and teachers ready to, to up-level.
1: That's that that beautiful. I love it. Um, this has been a pleasure. Um, we'll sign off. I'll have you keep on, I'll have you stay on just a minute so we can do some wrap post closure things. Um, but this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Uh, uh, this has been a blast and I appreciate you and I will see you and everyone listening in another reality.
0: <laughs> Great. Thanks, yeah. man.
1: See
0: you Lyle. one second. Bye Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.